everybody, and welcome back to another episode of... I'm just going to say beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics, the, the previous one tore up my throat a little bit. That's fair. All right. <laughs> joined once again by my co-host Thad. Say hello, Thad. Bye. Hi. And joined once again by our frequent co-host and guest, Kara. Hello. Okay. I uh, today's episode is, if you listen to the last one, we're going to be talking, uh, continuing the conversation about the de-evolution of musicals. Uh, this episode, we'll be looking at two specific musicals, Stanley Donnan's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and Michael mm. Gracie's The Greatest Showman. Mm. Although, uh, point of order, okay. I would say that uh, de-evolution is a nonsense word. Something can only Something can only ever evolve. So, Apparently, just except it, for musicals, because they're not really just cause it has evolved, Just because it's evolved in a direction we're less impressed by does not mean it's not still an evolution. Yeah, if it's a single-celled <laughs> organism that's still surviving, it's doing its work. All right, fair enough. So, the whatever musicals. <laughs> I mean, I can't be mad at you. I'm mad, I got mad at Zack Snyder for that one line in Man of Steel about how evolution always wins or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, that that was what made you mad about that movie? Like that was the. There's a lot of things that made me mad about that movie, but that's okay. just one of the petty things I have about that. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> I just I just wanted to check. I was just a little bit worried for a second. Okay, so so what are we doing? Are we going chronological? Or are we just going to bounce back and forth? What's what's well? The first plan? off, I just want to get like, um, what were your guys' relationships with these movies before we watched them? Uh, I think generally similar, although I think Kara had seen Seven Brides more times than I had previously. I, it's it's strange because it's like some sort of unknown fantastical relationship because I know I've seen it multiple times and I'm pretty sure I saw it at my grandparents' house and that's the only context that I have. So I feel like maybe like AMC or like one of the like 900 level channels was running it over and over again at 3 a.m. Hmm. I know I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm reason now that I've seen it, I'm I'm sure I have seen it before, but I was the last time I saw it was I think as a stage production, which was slightly different, but not much. Um, Interesting. I mean, narratively, obviously, in in terms of performance, very well. No, different. not narratively. It was written for the screen. It became a stage production. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was it was adapted from screen to stage, but um. So your first all, your first uh, experience to the was the stage adaptation. Uh. No, I don't think so. I okay. think the last time that I saw it was a stage version, and then before that I had seen the, the okay. movie. Uh, in fact, I think I might have seen the movie in school, like somebody showed it during a like a, a class or something. Uh, but that would have been a very long time ago. And then neither of us had seen The Greatest Showman before, uh, because we were both sort of like, mm, I don't know about this. Right. Uh, I have never, uh, up until this point, I had never seen Seven Boys for Seven Brothers. Oh. Um, my mother used to have it on VHS. Like, she taped it off of Disney back in the day. Because mm-hmm. Disney used to be the ton of classic movies on AMC of the day. Um, oh, yeah. The Disney Channel. Yeah. And then uh, Greatest Showman I saw in theaters. I reviewed it. Um, yeah, I, I did remember I, I did remember after you brought it up that you, like, you had had a problem like with the, the audio in the theater. Because I feel like you had mentioned that either in yeah. the review or you or you told me about it or maybe both. But, um, um, but yeah, I enjoy opening... Greatest Showman. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, as Kara mentioned in the last episode, it is so sincere. <laughs> like, it's one of the things where, like, its absolute desire for me to have a good time almost makes me want to have a good time. Yeah. Like, tonally, I do think it, it fits more with what we talked about last time in terms of, of what musicals go for than a lot of musicals that I've seen, like modern ones lately. Oh, absolutely. It's all about just the biggest emotions possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys were hesitant because of the P.T. Bynum aspect. But yeah. I, yeah, I mean, he's, more... he's an interesting and complicated figure, and his relationship with his performers was as well. So that was that was more why I was like, mm, I don't know. I thought that I... too, but then any project with Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron, I'm like, it's not going to be historic no matter what. So it doesn't <laughs> Fair. It was actually my, my sort of sticking point is my master's degree, which remains yet unfinished, had a big focus in, in disability studies, and that's a big, big interest area of mine in the history of the the freak show and their performers in it, and like their various individual histories, both you know those that turned out pretty well and those that did not, is much more interesting to me. Yeah. And so, I'm like, I know that the stories that I think are the ones that need to be told the most are going to be sidelined by this. And so, the question then became not will they be sidelined, but how bad and weird is it going to be? And um. You know, I, I don't need that kind of stress in my life, like heart problems travel in my family. Right. Not only that, but the answer to your question is they don't even bother touching it. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, this is a weird way to resolve the problem. Yeah, it was like it's it's one of those things where it's like watching the movie. I, I, I could remember like bits of things. And then I, of course, started like pulling things up online to, to remind myself. It's like, yeah, it's so many. A, a lot of these people are just compressions of multiple people. But even the ones who are directly based on on real people, like uh, like Charles Stratton, are their 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 real lives are so much more interesting than this movie let them be. Oh God! Yeah, no, yeah, because this movie is essentially more than anything, it's a musical blah blah putting on a show. Yeah, like the whole I mean, notion that people were complaining about P.T. Barnum doesn't even matter. Could have been anybody. Yeah, but I mean, I do, especially now. I I get. Uh, not not just about P.T. Barnum in particular, but, like, his movies about historical events or people bother me more than they used to because of how many people I see on the internet since we live in a, a, a terrible place where there are, like, you know, white supremacist people wandering around just saying things. Uh, like, the way that people talk about history with such certainty when they've clearly only learned about history from movies... Right. is something that haunts me and and things like uh, and a greatest showman is by far not the most guilty <laughs> of this but it is one of those things that it, i just like uh i gotta be in a good mood to go into something or else i'm I'm gonna like wind myself up about it right. well that was the other thing is that's what that is, so they're reading the story of the the sabine or the sobbing <laughs> women it's like well, this is the danger of giving stupid people history text yeah <laughs> it's like, so you've read the story in the strictest uh, sense that you look at the yeah. letters on the page and know they made words yeah but did you uh... listen can, can, to the story can i run just really quick in like a couple sentences through the plot of seven brides for seven brothers in case anyone doesn't Absolutely. know i was getting ready to ask one of you guys to do that so the the very simple plot is mountain man adam and his six yeah, six brothers. Uh, Mountain Man Adam comes down to town, announces he's going to find a wife, finds the most interesting, pretty, pluckiest girl who's willing to put up with him. They consensually get married. 
She realizes all of his brothers are idiots, whips them into shape. They meet women themselves in the town. And then they read a book. (laughs) And the book is about these Roman soldiers that carried off these women and married them and everything kind of turns out okay. And they're like, there, that is the idea. Because we can't go into town because everyone thinks we're we're tools. So we'll just go and we'll kidnap these women that we have fallen in love with at first sight, who have also fallen in love with us, and we'll just kidnap them and take them to our mountain home, and Avalanche separates them from the town, says, have these girls for like six months, and slowly like, they all fall in love with each other, and then at the end, like, through contrivances, they get married. Yep. And like, that's it. Yep. <laughs> and there's a lot of, there's a really cool dance scene where like, all the boys have been straightened up with their new sister-in-law, and they're all dressed Dressed up and they're doing this. They're trying to show the townspeople that they're cool and that they should marry the girls for the first time. They've met them. They're trying to dance with them, and the local townsmen are not happy with this strapping competition. Mm. And they have like multiple dance-offs, and then they destroy a barn. Yeah, dance. I mean, that, this is not not chronological, but it is accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would argue for me, as much as I enjoyed the Greatest Showman, the entire barn scene. Both with oh, no the contest. dance numbers <laughs> and the fighting, it's better than the entire movie. Yeah, it's it, just of the, the amount showman. of yeah. the amount of work that went into those is just real. Like, not that the Greatest Showman isn't clearly the uh, the result of a lot of work, but like, it's also very narrowly looking at you know, it's it's like core few characters right as opposed to uh seven brides which like those big set pieces are are big set pieces and like you know few characters will come forward and have their time to shine and then they'll step back and like other things will happen and it's just such a great like ensemble performance in that moment or in that in that scene and it's it's spectacular to put it in perspective seven brides of seven brothers is directed by stanley donnan Hmm. Who also did Singing in the Rain. Ah, yeah. Stanley Donnan has recently passed away, like last month. Oh, wow. Fantastic director. Also did the Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn movie, Charade. Hmm. Um, He is one of the best musical directors we've had. Greatest Showman, on the other hand, is directed by uh, Michael Gracie, who has never directed anything before or since. Michael Gracie is, in fact, a visual effects guy who became a director on this movie. I mean, that's not, you know, always necessarily a... Uh, oh. It's mm. not a bad thing, <laughs> except, ironically, the visual effects are some of the worst things about this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. <laughs> like, if you're going to do, do a period piece, just just use matte paintings. It'll be right, fun. Right, like Seven Brides of Seven Brothers, which I never <laughs> believed for a second they were in the mountains. <laughs> but I believed them more than I believed they were in a mansion in The Greatest Showman because the rooms were just empty. Yeah. <laughs> it's This is such a, a tiny, unimportant thing, and it literally goes into writing, like, don't be such a nitpick that we were just talking about in the last episode. But, um, so he, like... There's this rundown house, and P.T. Barnum, like, gets a bunch of money for the first time, and he grabs his wife and is like, hey, look, this house that was, like, destroyed, I repaired it, and, like, I filled all the rooms with new furniture, and, like, (laughs) what? Like, you decorated the house without telling her? Why would you (laughs) buy a pre-made house that's been neglected? The plumbing is shot. This is is why it's important that this movie has momentum so that people don't ask questions. No, I was immediately mad. Yeah, but that's you. You're crazy. 
I am, but I was like, I don't care how much she loves this man. If someone presents to you a fully decorated bedroom, you say, how dare? Like, I, look, I, uh, th- there's a lot to critique in The Greatest Showman, but the, the dynamic, especially early in the movie between Barnum and his wife, uh, who's the uh, chair? Michelle Williams. Yeah, Michelle, actually... Michelle Williams, who is, of course, a co-star of the greatest superhero movie of last year that wasn't uh, into the Spider-Verse, Venom. Uh, and I spotted her because I was looking at her and thinking, man, this is such a better wig than Venom. And I'm like, oh my god, is that the same girl? Is that what she looks like in a good blonde wig? I would also put actually Charity on the same level as um, Millie, Adam's wife, the sassy one that he immediately marries. Yeah. Because yeah, Charity doesn't get to have as big a role in the story. She doesn't, but in terms of this sort of like... Influence she has? Big personality. Yeah. Like they're independent women who are like very much in love very much in this like relationship but also just yeah but they're they're married to different kinds of dumbass the, yeah yeah they're they're, they're oh, women actually, who are actually, lovingly married to dumbasses actually i should i should interrupt here uh because we we should also in fairness give a, a brief synopsis of the greatest showman which if you haven't seen is a movie about pt barnum lying until he gets everything he wants Yes, but the joy of putting on a show. <laughs> During the movie, Thaddeus at one point whispered, this movie speaks to me. And it I, does. <laughs> like, I, I love a con man. Like, that's, that's uh, like my whole bit. <laughs> Dead you rotten scoundrels, the musical. Uh, yes. But yeah, uh, no, it's, yeah, uh, sorry, I just had to do that yes, as a joke. We, we should mention that part of what makes The Greatest Showman work is the fact that Hugh Jackman, who much like Howard Keel and the other people in Seven Brides of Seven Brothers, is Broadway trained. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Michelle Williams is also from Broadway. People don't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But for me, it was just like, oh, my God, she's smiling. What's going to happen? Oh, nothing happened. Oh. <laughs> this is what film could be. She's just happy. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, uh, yeah. But... Yeah. Seven Vibes for Seven Brothers came out in 1954, and Greatest Showman came out in 2017. I think what happened was um, it came out, if I remember correctly, December 2017. Mm-hmm. Yes. Donald Trump had been president for about 11 months. <laughs> also, and we just uh, wanted a movie where people just went horrible. Also, sad, sad, sad asterisk is uh, the fact that the, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus closed that year. And that's uh, also true. It was just like, oh my god, can I just have happy? Okay, uh, never mind that the people in The Greatest Showman, or it could be argued, still pretty awful. The desire <laughs> to make us happy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's enjoyable. I, I, I had a good time watching it, but uh, it was missing something. When I went uh, to the projection booth... I would do quality checks on Greatest Showman just to listen to The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Is that where the story ends? Yeah, no, I just, like, I enjoy watching it. Oh. I own it. I, oh, yeah, yeah. It's also one of the things, I'm like, it's so good. Kind of a trash movie, though. <laughs> I really, I would say that the biggest problem that I have with that movie, besides the obvious things of, like, hey, the, the most interesting person is, in fact, um, all of the the that freaks. freaks. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear more about those. Uh, it, the people they're based on have such cool lives or sometimes tragic ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the most important thing is the story of a man who, and I'm sorry, I, I try not to swear too much. 
is a dumbass. <laughs> really has a woman that's out of his league in so many levels, on so many ways, that he does not deserve. Wait, which movie are we talking about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, specifically for the, for the Greatest Showman, he kind of, like, he has this moment where he, like, gets all these performers together and he's exhibiting them and then he becomes famous and then he wants to be like accepted by a high society and there's a sort of weird interaction with like high society singer and then like he kind of loses everything and then his performers who he'd been kind of rude to like kind of it's weird because they kind of forget they don't really forgive him they kind of don't care that he sucks because they want to go back to the circus because that's a better place for them right and then like his partner his business partner who he's kind of like not been great to like bails him out and then his wife comes back because he doesn't really apologize he just explains to her why he sucks and like apparently that's good enough (laughs) and now Hugh Grant is such a a lovely compelling charming good natured you mean mean Hugh Jackman Oh, I thought I she Grant? said Grant, but no, I was Grant. just going to let it go no, because Grant she's not wrong people. on that either. I'm so sorry, but uh, and I, was, I was on a roll and I always say the wrong words. But he, just, Hugh Jackman is so lovely that you're like, yes, this is sufficient. But really, it's not. You should actually apologize to everyone and not just wait for them to forgive you when you're like, you know, I've been a tool. And they're like, yes, here's a million dollars to reopen your circus. <laughs> Here's the thing. Hugh Jackman is so good at what he does. He's so he good. makes that utterly fake scene where he's chasing after a train. Yeah. <laughs> Feel real, even though nothing. I'm like, are you even? Are you on a treadmill? Nothing in any level is real in that shot. It's egregious. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, you can get it. But I would watch. It. I would watch Hugh Jackman run around in a top hat forever. Like it's fine. <laughs> he knows. He knows who he is. Yeah. He's whoever he wants to be. He's Hugh Jackman. Uh, he's it's, Wolverine. It's one of the things where it's funny because both musicals are about trash people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, really they're they're specifically about men being idiots. Which again, Kara, bravo on choosing seven brothers, <laughs> seven brothers. Yeah, it's a good pairing. They're even contemporaneous, really. Like around really? the <laughs> Yeah. Um, especially a uh, greatest showman. Um, you you guys may or may not know it bombed when it came out when it first came out. I did I not know, know that. It I did had a, know that. Had a budget of eighty four million, but then, mm. then, and this is the thing about the greatest showman. It had such a bad opening that Wood, but Wood of Mouth was like, "Oh my God, have you seen this really fun movie?" Mm. That then it began to make more money each following week. Oh, that's oh. interesting. Because I, uh, I rarely follow box office stuff unless I'm talking to you about it. Right, yeah, uh, no, so I didn't. This was I at do. the time a box office. So like, this was a hot topic among people who talked about box office stuff. Forbes. Um, because really, it basically uh, came back from the dead, right? Because it made four hundred and thirty-five million, oof, off of what? a budget of eighty-four. Again, opening weekend, no one cared. Yeah, but then people started having sing-alongs. They started actually huh. orchestrating sing-alongs for the greatest show. Aww. And so I have a suspicion that that was always intended to happen. Yeah, <laughs> but like by the time like people were like begging for it, yeah. and it's one of the things where, yeah, no, it's. That part of the movie is fascinating because it is so rare to see a movie do so badly opening weekend and then just get legs. Yeah. And just, like it's almost like it's a, such an anomaly. Like historically, most movies don't do this. Right. Avatar like di- had a If you movies. die on opening weekend, you die on opening weekend. And not only that, but even Avatar, which made oodles of money hmm. a couple of times, uh, it made 
like it made more money than it lost after it had been out. Mm. But that was just like a couple of like peaks. Was Greatest Showman? It was a steady climb, just more and more money every week. Huh. And we didn't have it there long at our theater, but the amount of people like there wasn't a single person who came out of that theater who weren't smiling. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, no, it is. That's like a very fascinating thing, and it's almost all because Hugh Jackman pushes that movie. Oh yeah, this is this is a passion project for Hugh Jackman. He's been wanting to do this like ever. That didn't know what. Oh really? I did not know that at all. (laughs) To the point where when they uh, got everyone together for the first cold read, he had just had surgery and he shouldn't sing. But the investors were there, so he basically risked his throat to oh, give God. a full-out uh, uh, reading at the cold read to impress the investors so yeah. they could get more money. Oh, wow. Like, for a movie that's not that great, <laughs> it is pretty fascinating. I mean, Hugh Jackman brought what he needed with him, so that, that was apparently all that was required. Right. <laughs> But um, getting back on Seven Brothers of Seven Brothers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all of the, all of the brothers are redheads, and Thaddeus and I continually are like, are they actually redheads, or did they just dye them really well? Some of them, I think, I th- I think it might be a combination of the two. You're talking about the characters or the actors? Uh, well, all of the characters are redheaded. The question is, then, are all of the actors actually? Oh, I red-headed. think I think either that's probably a. I would not be shocked to find out if all of them dyed their hair. I mean, it was really, but uh, the point for us was that it was just died really naturally, which you don't even see done well in movies now. Yeah, Yeah, because it was if it it wasn't real. It's sort of like strawberry orangey red that's more natural as opposed to this insane vibrant red that very few people, if any, have in real life. Kale, you're the makeup person, so I expect watching older movies, you will be shocked at how good makeup used to be compared to how it is now. Ah, it hurts me. Like, yeah, no, like, um, they look fantastic. Um, yeah. I love the shoulder pass they were trying to do to make some of them seem more broad shouldered, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is the script is by Albert Hackett, Francis Goodrich, and Dorothy Kingsley, mm. mm-hmm. based on a short story, Sovereign Women, by yeah. Stephen Vincent Benet, which uh, is based on the ancient Roman legend, The Rape of the Sabine Women. Yeah, which, to be fair, rape did have a different connotation in the titling of that story, but also it implied the modern incarnation anyway. Right. Because, uh, I mean, it used to just be kidnapping, but, right. <laughs> you know. Now, or because you could rape a lamp, you could... Kidnapping or theft, because there's, like, the rape of the lock and all that, like, yeah. Those... Yeah. Now, the screenplay for Greatest Showman is written by Jenny Bix and... A name that uh, Karen you will be familiar with, Bill Condon. Mm, I'm bad with names. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Uh, but also the screenplay for Chicago. Yeah. Bill Condon's actually really good. He just also, he does so much that sometimes he gets mild and stuff that's not does so a lot of, uh Does a lot of script work. Right. And now here's the thing that's kind of fascinating. Hmm. The guy who shot the cinematographer for Seven Brides mm-hmm. for Seven Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, where did I put it? I know you said shot the cinematographer in my in the imagination. <laughs> he actually shot the cinematographer. Yeah, and it was going to be weirder yeah. and 
cheaper than we ever George J. Falsey, mm-hmm. who hmm. worked from 1919 to 1976. Wow! That he is a career. 162 films. Wow. Including The Coconuts and the Animal Crackles, two much oh, movies. Yeah! My and boy. Adam's Rib, which, if I'm not mistaken, is either the first or one of the early Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn movies. Wow. That is a career. <laughs> well, it's The Greatest Showman was shot by Seamus McGarvey, who did The Avengers, Atonement, <laughs> Nocturnal Animals, and Bad Times at Oway Out. You know, I, I actually can see that a little bit. Because, yeah. like, if, if there's one thing in the Avengers, there's some good use of, like, moving a camera around between, like, things going on. Right. And that's, yeah. That's I, I bring this up only to show you the the sort of different... It's an older... The older musical has more established talent behind it. Mm-hmm. They put people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's also based on like, it's a story taken from like three different things. Yeah. Based on a book that's based on a short story and then they adapt and then they throw lyrics in. Yeah. Whereas Greatest Showman is just straight up a musical. They don't even cite any biography of P.T. Barnum because (laughs) they're not kidding anyone. That's true. And not only that, but. I had not thought of that, but yeah. (laughs) Outside of everyone involved, the only real established talent they have is Bill Condon, whereas mm. Jenny Bix is a producer and screenwriter for television. She's mm. done a lot of st- most of her stuff is like um, Sex in the City, and she <laughs> created uh, the series Men and Trees. But like again, to almost we we see again even much like comic books, even television talent being used for musicals. Yeah. Huh. That's and as we've mentioned, the cinematic quality of The Greatest Showman is not as good as the cinematic quality of Seven Brides to Seven Brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, now, I would hard agree. <laughs> you mentioned, Kara, uh, before we recorded, you really like the bartending scene in Greatest Showman. Mm. I did. I actually absolutely loved it. I thought it was a ton of fun. That bartender made his money. There's like this, even like this weird thing, like he's he's clearly on like PT's payroll somehow and is right. like helping him scam don't Which, don't get don't get too into the weeds on the narrative justification. Well, it doesn't it doesn't need to be narratively justified. We already agreed with this. Only the yep. movie, only the parts that I'm mad at need more justification. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, just like that that uh, the sort of simple choreography of like the drinks being slid around and just the 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 ways that those were done. It, with with like, I especially think of that shot where the, where the camera's pointing right at the bar, and uh, and. Uh, Carlisle and Barnum are on either side of the bartender, and there's a pretty decent sustained shot of like glasses being slid and like right. them interacting. That was sort of refreshing to see. I think yeah. part, I think partly because of how busy the camera is a lot of the rest of the time. Well, they're right. also like they're, they're drinking shots, and like as they go back and forth singing and drinking, the bartender points at them, like dabs at them as they do it. And I, just, <laughs> I was really it did bring me a lot of joy. It was it was a lot of fun. But honestly, the I think one of the most damning things about The Greatest Showman, though, is the lack of, like, aside from the the, the number that introduces the performers to the, the audience for the first time, like the freak performers, I'm leery of 
using that, but for the time, I guess it's accurate. Um, like, there's not, they don't really get a lot of, like, there's, they, they don't get to come forward and, like, have their time. Even when they're introduced, it's as an ensemble. Right. And it's, I don't know, that bummed me out. Well, yeah, like, like, it's one of the things where, like, they're not even actual, like, they do, they have a montage where they basically say he's really just exaggerating slight deformities. Yeah, yeah. And, 750 pounds? Right, let's give him a pillow. Yeah. And it's, I, I did, I, I think that the sort of the thematic idea that sort of the Barnum character, I'm going to say the character because the real Barnum's. Right. Yeah. There were, there, you know, because the biography decided, but when he's like, like you're a scammer, and he's like, yeah, so, like he's just uh-huh. very unapologetic about it until, of course, his kids get made fun of. At which point, he's very worried, but doesn't. Again, his character doesn't care that, of course, the, uh, you know, performers are being made fun of. Right. But they forgive him. Right. Well, and I think part of the whole "let's put a pillow on here, let's put you on stilts." Is meant to show the exaggeration of what happens when you tell a story. Yeah, I, I could buy that. Um, it just happens to be that they have no knowledge. Not, no, we're not getting into that, but yeah. Well, I mean, as uh, something Karen and I were talking about earlier was uh, if if you're gonna make a movie about P.T. Barnum, it might as well be mostly lies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I even said in my review, this is the type of movie P.T. Barnum would have loved. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'd been on board. Uh. <laughs> um, but also, I think it's interesting because these two movies come out at vastly different times. Like I said, uh, Red Showman comes out at 2017. Donald mm. Trump's been president for a year, and we're mm. so desperate for good cheer that we'll take anything. Yeah, it's yeah. nominated it's for not an unfair assessment. It's nominated for one song for best original song for an Oscar. Mm. Oh, which one? Um, let me see here. Um, uh, this is me. The yeah, anthem this is of the me movie. is the one that made the rounds. <sighs> um, but was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is nominated for Best Picture, Best Screenplay Adapted, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, oh. Best Music and Scoring for a Musical because that used to be a category. Oh. And because there used to be enough musicals for that, right? Because Same there thing. were. One, two, three, four, five other nominees in that category. Carmen oh, wow. Jones, The Glenn Miller Story, A Star is Born, There's No Business oh, Like Show Business. Ooh, it went up against some serious competition. Right. It only won one movie, one, and that was the best scoring against uh-huh. all of those. I think uh-huh. also not only this, but I think that shows the landscape of the time of Hollywood. Musicals mm-hmm. were a force to be reckoned with. They had their own category. You had the best score, but then you had a best score for a musical. Mm. Whereas, uh, can, I just, can I just point out, though, when they did that with the animated movies, they're like, oh, we're going to give its own category after Beauty and the Beast threatened to win Best Picture from Physical Humans, and they're like, oh, oh, God, this might compete with us. We have to side-label it off. Right. Um, I would argue that's a different point in Academy history because it's back when the Academies were fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you just, you're just gonna lay it right out there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my favorite Academy story, real quick. John Wayne <laughs> accepted uh, Gary Cooper's Oscar for High Noon. Mm-hmm. John Wayne did not want the role for Gary Cooper's uh, for High Noon because he was offered it, 
And he yeah, turned it down because, as he but says... But it, it was too much of, like, a, a story about dirty reds, really. Right. And he, he actually tried to sabotage Gary Cooper's uh, awards uh, campaign and, mm. like, publicly trashed the movie. Ah. But Gary Cooper and him were really good friends, and Gary Cooper couldn't make it. So he's like, if I win, you can accept. So John Wayne has to accept an award for a movie that he turned down, that he's been trashed And tried in. to sabotage. Right. And then also talk about his good friend, Kerry Cooper, who did a great job with this great movie. It's fantastic. It's one of the best equal moments I've seen. Because he's like, I'm going to have to talk to my agents about how come I didn't get off of this role. He did. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> John. I'm surprised I did not know that. I knew I knew the part about like him not wanting to be in the movie and like his. It's I didn't know the rest of that though. That's great. Yeah. Um. Anyhow. Um. But yeah. Uh. One song versus a slew, and like like I said, Oscars don't mean much. But this is more about how musicals are viewed as an equal genre. Yeah. Even just broadly, like what it means to have those categories to themselves know, like, at the time. We talk about how comic book movies are like westerns, but just how many musicals you have to be making annually <laughs> to have yeah. almost an entire category dedicated to you. Like a, a knowable category. Like, these are movies that I know. Like, I was like, oh, like this is a, this was a heavyweight right, category. These are yeah. movies that I still know. Yeah, this isn't like, oh, uh, best animated feature. Here's a couple of Pixar movies, and then maybe some movies that you didn't remember came out this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's. I find that kind of fascinating because we mentioned in the last episode, Greatest Showman is honestly, in a weird way, the most musical musical to come out in a while. And yeah, I, I think it showed that there was a hunger for it. Especially mm. with the finding out about how his box office did, and it but is interesting oddly, that there doesn't you seem seen to have been followed. like a yeah, like that's not been responded to yet. It's been considered almost like a one off. Well, I think mm-hmm. it is a one off because, of course, when we bring up the good musicals, who is the same person we mentioned over <laughs> and over again? Whose passion project was it that, like, we nearly. Only, we only have one Hugh Jackman. You can only right. go so many places. You can only go so many places and do so much. You don't want to spend all your Hugh Jackman points all at once. Right. <laughs> because the Hugh Jackman movies he does after this are, again, stage adaptations made for screen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting how. Oftentimes, like the how... greatest showman, they take away the uh, production value of it and try to make it real. Yeah, but like, like I don't know. It's it's one of those things about like Hollywood logic being just the land of self fulfilling prophecies, right? Like, because yeah, it's of course the greatest showman will be a one off if nobody else tries. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it a one off, you cowards! Like, what is wrong with you? Disney, um, we own thirty. We literally make bi- a billion dollars from every movie we throw on the plate, but we can't afford to take risks. What? Do out you of curiosity, mean? when you guys watched The Greatest Showman, mm-hmm. how do you think it was edited? Uh, there were a lot of uh, honestly. There were a lot of the. Um... Especially for like transitions when they're trying to be a little bit flashy and like moving people between places and times. I liked that scale of editing a lot. Mm-hmm. 
but the rest of it was kind of unmemorable and noise, just sort of noise. Yep. Like I, I don't know. Like I, honestly, it's a movie that while again I enjoy, I had a good time watching it, uh, uh, despite the things that I'll, I'll whine about. But I also, I, I would, I honestly kind of wish we'd watched it earlier and I had another a chance to watch it again. Because right. the first time going through, I'm very much in a looking for looking at all these missed opportunities mode. Right. But I mean, well, that's also true of like musical numbers and things. Like I feel like too many, like they 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 didn't have any good crowd numbers. Mm. And although I mean, a lot of the the smaller like you know one or two people songs, I thought uh, the like those were were fairly well put together. But again, like nothing that really jumped out at me like things in Seven Brides did. Like it. I, I don't know. It just it didn't like it didn't grab my my eye the same way. Especially with the sort of like feet stomping. So like one thing about Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and I say this as someone that knows how to dance the Virginia reel, because my <laughs> grandparents were Civil War reenactors. Okay, <laughs> this is very real. I wanted to. I, I could hear like to me like the mark of sort of a great kind of musical is the audience wants to kind of dance along but knows they can't. Right, and kind of. Makes you want to, like, clap along, she said, clapping arithmetically. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that the showman is trying to bring that in with that sort of, like, feet-stomping sound at the beginning and other parts of it. And ultimately, it didn't It didn't make me want to do that. Right. I didn't resist the urge to sing along, and I didn't have to resist the urge to clap or anything like that. Well, Seven Brides from Seven Brothers, I'm like, I bet I could dance to this. I could dance to this. Right. I can't dance to that, but I think I can. Maybe. Um, I I want to touch on something before I get back to the editing thing, and that oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. um, the problematic aspect of the Seven Brothers for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> oh, the, oh I, okay. I, I I found myself being a little bit more interested in the fact that for a movie made during 1954, during mm-hmm. the height of the Hayes Code, yeah, they found ways to be sexual in dialogue. And and just like looks that I was like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. in a weird way, what they do in this movie is to show that, and parlance of our times, the women were as thirsty as the men. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that bit where they're in the where they're like in the house and talking about how I wonder which brother slept in this bed. Like, <laughs> wow, that is bold for you time period. Not well, only the- that, but that character's name is Dorcas. Dorcas. Yeah. That's a that's a respectable name. You texted us about that. Like, what's up with Dorcas? That's uh, I think that's a brand of razors that I use. Understand, as I texted Karen, you, I was rooting for them to pick the name Hagar for the newborn daughter. Because <laughs> I'm like, who? If you're gonna throw a Hagar, you gotta take Hagar. Them's the. <laughs> Uh, I actually really like the bit where she's like, "I always wanted to be a June bride and have a spring baby," and like that's <laughs> all right. And like, like the way she says it is like, you know, to get my personal time in, and then just like go into the mother aspect. But if she didn't say she wanted a mother, she said she wanted a spring baby, right? Which is interesting because she's like, "I want to make sure that I spent my winter wisely." <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't that, but I, I love the, the there's a lyric in that song. They say a June bride is married for the rest of her life. I'm like, yeah, it's called marriage. <laughs> Same for the July, September, August. Uh, it's, uh, but the yeah, only yeah, one who no. Isn't I... is probably December 31st because those are jackasses. <laughs> uh, and also, I, I was just a big fan of, despite all of the various problematic aspects, the way that once they, like, 
you know, get over the kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> like once they decide, you know, through through everybody fucking living together for a while, that they do want to marry these men. The way that they do it is that they like they hack patriarchal expectations to force their fathers to force them to get married. <laughs> well, again. By like, that's such a great bit. <laughs> It, yeah. I I also and again I've I've said this before. I may have said I know I've said it on this podcast. I may have said it earlier on this podcast. I don't know because I keep rambling about it. But of course the the thing the part of it is you have to accept the premise that they all have experienced true love at first sight. And yeah. what these women are looking for is a courting. What they're looking for is for something that is fun. And makes them feel special and beautiful. And that once they realize that the guys aren't going to hurt them, that's what they're after. And so that makes it like not a, a, a creepy sort of, kidnapping movie. It's sort of the, the traditional romance novel dynamic. Yeah. And then, of course, the guys like realize like, oh, we we've screwed up. We have to take them home and say that we're sorry. And then the girls don't want to go. And then, of course, that's when their fathers are coming where all these guys are grabbing these girls and, like, dragging them all over the place while they're crying because they don't want to go home. And their dads are like, you bastards. Yeah. Like, for as, for as messed up as the story is and as quick as the resolution happens, it's actually a really tightly scripted, like, put-together resolution. Like, I really kind of like how it just lands and is done. Well, remember, like I said, it has three screenwriters. Two of them are women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very clearly. So speaking to Kaya's aspect of how it's viewed as a romance, like mm-hmm. something from a romance novel, I have no doubt that they that was the thing they were angling on. Yeah, because I, the I, one I, guy yeah, in it is actually married. Who's uh, the one guy screenwriter is married to one of the other screenwriters. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the woman who uh, the main woman in Seven Brides, Seven Pals, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, <gasps> we should mention is Jane Powell. Oh no! Oh, no. But, of course. Because, uh, sorry, I just, I pulled up the, uh, I pulled up, uh, the, uh, Wikipedia page for, uh, for Hackett. Yeah. And one of, uh, among their earliest assignments was writing for the Finn Man. Yeah. <laughs> of course they could do good couple <laughs> dynamics. Uh, well, I think it. that's the thing that's interesting is, uh, Kara mentioned, the film never judges Jane Powell's character. Yeah. Millie. For being angry at Howard Keels. Yeah, at- no, the the men are judged and the, the woman is not made to look like a shrew. It's what? fantastic. When she gets them, because like, I'd, I'd forgotten the beginning of it. Because right. if you always catch it on TV, you always catch it like this very specific like halfway through part. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but TV magic. But like at the beginning, so like these brothers are dirty and uncivilized and very much Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs kind of situation, which is a, something I feel they were vibing on a little bit. Yeah. And she tricks them into not sucking by when they're sleeping, she takes all their clothes <laughs> and, then and then they wake up in their underwear, which is long underwear. And they're like, give us our clothes. She's like, they're washing. Now give me your underwear so I can wash that too. And they're like, no. And she's like, I will take it from you. And she goes to burst into their room to strip them of their clothes. And they're like, no. And then <laughs> the next scene is them all wrapped in blankets uh, timidly at the at the lunch, at the breakfast table where she's made them breakfast. And they're like, can we have more? And she's like, of course you can. <laughs> and like, the, the, the resistance to being better people is very minimal. Yeah. And they immediately engage with her and treat her with respect and as an authority. 
Yeah. The only one who resists being a better person is Adam. Is Adam. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> who, I will say, Howard Keel is a heck of a presence. That is a... Absolutely. That yeah, is he a... is a huge mountain of a man. Like it's... Yeah, that is, a, that is a man who knows how to own a room. Like, that was... <laughs> well, and again, the men are all dumbasses, and she right. loves them. And, like, not in spite of and because of their dumbassery, but, like, at the end, so he's stormed away they've had a fight and he stormed away and he's pouting one of his brothers comes and is like you need to come home he's like no i'm mad his brother's like you can beat my ass but i do need to punch you because you're <laughs> a tool and like punches him and that's when he comes home and he sees his baby girl and he realizes the terrible mistake he's made in advising his brothers to kidnap women yeah. <laughs> and that's when he tells them he's like you can't we have to take them home they're like no we'll fight their father's from he's like and kill their fathers well that <laughs> Do you guys ever get to the end of the thought? <laughs> well, that's Which the is... thing. It's like, I love that moment. At the same time, it feeds into he had to have a daughter to get to that point. Yeah, but it's, it's that, that usual, it like, oh, point... <laughs> oh, women are people. I see. <laughs> women are a people property. They have value to other men besides me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not like, yeah, there's plenty to critique, but, uh, I don't know, like it, the the way that it ties all that up is just so deft. Uh, it's it's really quite something. Well, yeah, uh, it's one of the things where like it's so tight compared to, quite frankly, the almost sometimes wandering nature of Greatest Showman. Oh yeah, very very wandering. Like I didn't, it wasn't what I expected. Uh, in a lot of ways, like I expected, just again, like based on the ad campaigns for like Zac Efron and Zendaya's characters to be much more central, and they were not. Right, uh, and that's fine. It was very clearly a movie about P.T. Barnum, um, <laughs> or a, at least about the character of P.T. Barnum. But, um, but yeah, it was very like it took a little while for me to figure out where, like, what it was doing and to like get into it because uh, it was it was just very meandering. It's, it's strange. Um, real quick, I mentioned the budget and box office for Greatest Showman. Seven mm-hmm. Brides or Seven Brothers had a budget of two. About just over about two point five million dollars. Mm. Box office was like nine point five million. That's so, not a lot, but at the same time, that's a different time. Box yeah. offices were different. You didn't have a multiplex, and you a lot of towns didn't get more towns than not got Seven Brides or Seven Brothers. But at the same time, studios owned theaters. There's a lot going into that. That's mm. still a lot of money for that time. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know, that that does make me really interested in looking more into, like, what musical, like, how much musicals cost and what they brought back, right. like, this is why I, This is when box office numbers are interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I brought up editing because part of the reason why Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is so tight, besides the script, is it's edited very well. Yeah. And there's only one editor, uh, Ralph E. Winters, where seven, uh, whereas Greatest Showman has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, Ooh. six editors. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> oh. Now, there's a lot of visual effects, so that yeah. could also explain that. But going back to that scene in the bar, there's a lot of cuts that are meant to, I guess, give you the rhythm of the scene. Mm-hmm. But in a musical, that goes against it. Yeah. You know, a lot of close-up of, like, hands and feet. And again, that's meant to like put you in, like almost like a Bugsby Berkeley thing. But it's so quick, it's not enough to be immersive, and it's enough to be a little bit distracting. 
and it cuts away from seeing them actually do the maneuver. Mm, yeah, like the yeah, best part of that scene is when they're actually on the bar and we get a wide shot and they're doing the little dance and the bartender is like trying to wipe down the bar around them. Yeah, yeah. like those, those wide shots are like the the parts that stick most in my head. Like that's one of the things that bum me out about. In a lot of ways, it bummed me out how crowded the group numbers in Greatest Showman were. Right, like when they were when they were all dancing in the big ring and it, uh, instead of like, I mean, part of what you do in a circus is everybody gets their time. Right. Uh, and I mean, also like that's the the coming into the big ring like that is not actually how those like most of those sideshow performers were were deployed. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I'm more like, okay uh, with letting that slide. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I that have I don't a feeling that about. this movie is not going to be judged on the functionality of how circus operates. I I know, I know, I know. But like, it, it did bother me that like it, how much it really was like they're they're. Uh, you know, some of them were recognizable characters who, who had like some some personality to them, but by and large, they were just a chorus, and that right. like that's kind of a bummer. Whereas, like you know, the not all of the brothers in in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers feel like fully developed people, and not not all the women do either. But they all get time to dance. Yeah. Uh, Except for the one brother that can't really dance. Well, yeah, right. but uh, they all get they time to They find a way perform. to get around that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, they, they all get time to perform, and even, like, uh, yeah, just, like, that was very missing in, in the comparison between the two. Um, another a scene I really liked about Greatest Showman was the Zendaya-Zac uh, Efron scene, the trapeze scene. Yeah, yeah, that was the most, like, circusy feeling thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but was... like it was like they took advantage of the camera and the space they were in. And yeah, they took like advantage of the camera and the space. They used what they were doing in a way that also reflected like the the tension between those characters at that time. Like their, I mean, their romance was pretty flat to to me. Like, okay, yeah, this is all paint by numbers as far right. as like, oh, he's mm. rich and she's poor, and also she's black. But they kind of swerve around the race thing until they suddenly don't, and that's like. <laughs> There, uh, there is a great moment about the race thing where they use a racial slur. Yeah, that I feel semi comfortable repeating, which is "spook," and I caught it when they used it. And then I was like, "Oh, finally, they're actually like getting into the fact that this is a, a racialized issue." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Kara, that's a racial slur." I'm like, "I forgot. I thought they were referring to the to the sideshow as spooks because they were spooky." And he stopped wow. for a minute. And you stopped the movie to let me sit in it. <laughs> and I said, Kara, clearly you do not spend enough time in the past. Yeah, and then I told him that I love him more dearly than anything in the world because he's adorable. Um, <laughs> out of curiosity, which movie do you think is longer? Uh, I know now. It's, yeah. it's Seven Rides because I uh, messed up how long it was when I was doing some scheduling stuff. Yeah, but they're only by a little. Like maybe two or three minutes. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by that though, because Seven Brides felt longer, not in a dragging way, but it just uh, even watching it and even knowing that it's like it, it felt like it was a longer movie in a meaningful way, despite uh, not really being. Actually, according to Wikipedia, uh, Seven Brides mm-hmm. is three minutes shorter than Greatest Showman. Really? What? I don't know how we got that backwards because I swear we looked. <laughs> 105 minutes for Greatest Showman and 102 minutes for Seven Brides. Huh. Yeah. I think this is also okay. one of the things where like, the modern film just moved faster because it utilized modern techniques. I suppose. Whereas 
the older one is very much an old school musical. Yeah. There's no, because as much as we've talked about it, there's no real, like, story in Seven Brothers. For Seven Brothers. It's like, Duke gets a wife, takes wife back home, wife gets mad. Like, there's no. There's not a lot of. There's not a lot of tension. Like, right. uh, the things continue yeah, It's to a move. musical. We're not yeah. here for the plot. The I'm plot is familiar. a thin reason for us to watch some men fight down a barn. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, that's more probably like, but we're used to, even most movies now, having mm. some kind of structure. And while Seven Bites for Seven Brothers does have that, Greater Showman has more of a story, and modern sensibilities-wise, it just probably feels shorter to us because we're used to it. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. feel like the differences in editing also uh, yes. affect how how they feel paced. Because like, as established, Seven Brides is edited in a way that like you see every, the shots are longer. Shots have yeah. gotten extremely shorter for modern shots are shots are long, shots are wide. Like you see performance. Yeah, I blame Gladiator. <laughs> I I love that you keep beating that horse. I mean, there's I'm nothing go- but pulp left, but keep going at it. I it's it's fine, you know. I'll just I'll just ride till I have to shoot it like True Grit. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was I was just looking at uh, the editor uh, Ralph Winter's list of of credits, and one of his is The Great Race, yeah. which makes me smile. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen The Great Race, or the magnificent men of the flying machines, yeah. Well, uh-huh. that's the thing, though, is that, like, I, of course, first became familiar with it through, like, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons yeah. that parodied The Great Race, <laughs> and then I, I actually saw The Great Race much later. Uh, it's it's funny. Peter Jack Falk. Jack Lemmon as, and as, Peter like, Falk, uh, as you've never yeah. seen them before. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Professor Fate and Max. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, we got, got off track for no reason whatsoever. Very um, much did. I take no responsibility. So, final thoughts, like, in your mind, which would you rather watch again, Greater Showman or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Ooh, that's actually an interesting question, because immediately I'm more interested in re-watching Greatest Showman, somewhat paradoxically. Because okay. I feel like, because that's the thing, though, is I feel like with um, Seven Brides, I saw everything. Right. You know? Whereas with Greatest Showman, because it feels kind of like it was moving really quickly, like, I don't know, editing slash pacing wise, there's part of me that wants to watch it again to like, kind of see if there's anything else that I, I sort of missed grabbing onto. Okay. Yeah. But it's not, it's not because I prefer it. It's, it's a weird thing. Same okay. thing. Um, I just really want to go back and watch that bar sequence again. <laughs> How but do you feel I'm gonna... about that bar sequence? That's how I feel about that barn raising sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that is real good. Oh, love it. Um, I think I'd watch chunks of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and also like the song about the sobbing women is one that I know that I've been singing for years and was happy to have in my head again. Huh. I, mean, I think that's the most indicative thing. I don't. The only thing that I really remember of the lyrics of The Greatest Showman is them talking about laying in my bed with all the colors in my head, and right. bed and head are one of those rhymes that actually make me really. Um, angry. <laughs> uh, nice. um, honestly, as know. much yeah, as um, this is me is like the anthem of the movie. I really liked uh, Million Dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's. Uh, I tend to agree. I, I recognized this is me, and I was like, really, out of all these songs, this is the one that was. <laughs> sort of- 
trumpeted? All right. That's, yeah. uh, for myself, that is a tough one. I might, like, I would rather, like, I really love that Blind Reason sequence, the Seven Blinds mm-hmm. and Seven Brothers. Um, it's one of the things, well, yeah, I will acknowledge that The Greatest Showman is not as good, but it's the mm-hmm. one I do watch, if that makes any difference. So I don't know if this proves our argument at all. Yeah. I, well, that, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I feel confident in the way that I frame that, though, because I feel like part of why... I'm interested in rewatching The Greatest Showman is a certain like, like I feel like there there like I almost like I, there's something missing from it. Right. Oh, there is like, a lot me, missing from it. Yeah. Well, but I, I I know. But I mean, but I mean, like that's sort of the feeling where it's like I I don't feel like there's anything missing from Seven Brides. Like I've seen it before. I enjoy watching it, but I don't feel a need to rewatch it because there's not really anything to pick at. It's just a comp. It's a confident, uh, competently made musical and it did everything that it needed to and it gave me the woman fuzzies yeah i would actually i'm trying to which one i'd want to rewatch again but i know i kind of want to rewatch the greatest showman with the the wiki article for pt yeah. barnum open on my phone so, <laughs> so, I, that we can, so that we can yell at the screen so i can yell at the screen grumpily and also just like uh because we kept reading up on the the performers yeah which is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I don't fact. count hate watching, but all right. Um, it's not. It's not a no, hate, it's not hate, but it's sort of like. Um. Let's go with. Uh, oh, I had a word and I lost it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's all the time we have for today. Is that said? So join us next time for we'll have two new musicals. Uh, we'll let you know what those are in the social media. Thad, where can they follow you? Or can they? Oh yes. Them? Uh. They. Uh. No. But I do okay. don't follow me, but I do have social media at Thaddeus Strange uh, on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I prefer to be anonymous. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm Jeremiah. You can find me at J Sherman Fiction at Twitter or Jeremiah O Sherman, not Irish O period Sherman. Uh, Jeremiah O Sherman. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, don't get me started uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, you guys have a good one. Thank you for joining us. And Yeah, yeah say goodbye, the, Jeremiah. Uh, goodbye, Thad. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, Thad. Uh, Bye. Bye.